Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025. The game It is a fireball hot take Friday. Titans and Chargers on Sunday. Old man Phillip Rivers coming to town. And he is still playing, unlike Eli, unlike Ben, who's hurt. Titans will get. That's right. They will get the Chargers. Roger Saffold, by the way, has a back injury. He's on the injury report, but he's expected to play. Uh, Cameron Wake, Delaney Walker, and Reggie Gilbert are all questionable for Sunday's game against the Chargers. And Sharif Finch and Chris Milton have been ruled out for Sunday's game against the Chargers. Now, I, generally speaking, wouldn't care much, but, uh, but Chris Milton, he's usually pretty good on those punts, so... Too bad to see him out for the game against the Chargers. It is 5 o'clock on a Friday, which means it's time for Floyd's three things. Three up, three down. Three things the GM wants to see. Three things the GM does not want to see on Sunday against the Chargers. We start with what the GM wants to see. Floyd, what's the first thing you want to see out of the Titans Sunday? Number one. Uh, The first thing for me is the defense has to continue to hold the opponent's points down. I mean, one, it's criminal that we've lost some of these games by the score that we've lost them, but, but it is fact. And, and, uh, you know, if we could have, if we could score 20 points, we'd be four and two. No, if we scored 20 points, we'd be five and one. No, you'd be five, oh, and one. Five, oh, and one. So, you know, I mean, it's, it gives you an idea of, of what one field goal or certainly one touchdown can do and and the reason that we've been able to say this is because the defense has done such a great job of keeping opponents uh from scoring touchdowns if if at all the titans have allowed 92 points on the season the nfl average is 127.2 so the titans have basically allowed 40 points under the nfl average this season which again goes back to your point if you scored three touchdowns every game which three touchdowns is not a lot if you scored three touchdowns every game, you'd be 6-0. and Yes, you would. And that's the problem. Number two. The, uh, the offensive line has got to be productive. Now, I'm not talking about stars. I'm not talking about all pros. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about productive. And by that, I mean we have got to, in pass protection, Give the quarterback a chance to get rid of the ball, and we have got to be able to run the ball. And for us to have a chance to do that, the offensive line has got to be productive. And again, I'm not looking for stardom. I'm looking for good, solid, effective uh, line play. The uh, Titans, by the way, give up about 627 yards. They've given up 627 yards this season. The NFL average is in the ballpark at 634. The Chargers have given up 723 yards, almost 100 more than the Titans, and almost 90 more than the league average. I mean, that is the expectation, or 90 more than the league average. The Titans are going to have to run the ball, but if they can't block, they can't run the ball. If they can't block, it'll be third down and 11 every single time, and I don't even know how Tannehill's going to be able to have success on third and 11. Number three. I am, Even though Keenan Allen is really, really an outstanding receiver, and, you know, he's going to be a problem, uh, even though they have, especially last year when we played him, thrown the ball deep, 
and effectively on us. I mean, we have to do a good job, in my opinion, of stopping the tight ends and the running backs. Not that we don't have to stop Allen. I'm not saying that at all. But I think we need to overemphasize the fact the running back is the number two receiver, I think. The tight end, Hunter, is is somebody that is really starting to fall into his own. And he's one of those guys that can really be a pain in your side. And so I think we're going to have to pay special attention to them um, much more than we have in the past. Why are the Titans so bad when they go zone? Well, they're just bad on the tight end because that's what zones are about. You're playing zone because you're figuring you're going to keep everything in front of you and they're going to complete a ball, but you're going to, you know, at some point in time, they're going to tip it and you're going to intercept it or you're going to get a sack or, you know, something good's going to happen. Which takes us to three down, three things the GM does not want to see on Sunday against the Chargers. Number one. Yeah, we've got to stop this bad offensive football. I mean, it's just bad football, and I don't know how, you know, I don't know how you can put lipstick on that. Um, you know, I mean, we, we've gotten to the point now that we can't complete little dinky passes, and, and this is the NFL. And the NFL means that, you know, you've got to pitch and catch some and you've got to run the ball and you've got to not make mistakes and you've got to not turn it over and you've got to not get penalties. And that's why you guys are making, you know, a million bucks a week. So those things don't happen. I mean, I can pay, you know, anybody, anything to go out there and get penalties and and play poorly. So we have got to eliminate the bad offensive football. Isn't the hope that Tannehill will come in here and fix that? I think the hope is he'll come in and help it. Yeah. But not just completely fix it? No. How's he going to completely fix it? He can't play right guard, can he? I mean, you said that that they can't complete dinky passes. Well, he's got to come in there and complete the dinky passes. Oh, he can complete that. No, he can do that. So that, I mean, you know, he's got to do those little that. things. But yeah, yeah the, the penalties and and the not being able to block that that is a huge, huge thing that I think everybody's worried about uh, when it comes to the Charger game. Three number down. Two. Oh no, number two. Number two for me is we cannot have any more big plays on special teams, and and the special teams have to realize how tight close these games are, how tight they're going to be. And, you know, what seems like a fairly innocent punt return or a fairly innocent kick return can easily cost you the games. These things are much too tight to give anything, any kind of field position, any kind of momentum, any kind of a plus to the opponent. And it seems like uh, and in at least a couple of these losses that we've had, we've had a special teams blunder or two. Um, so we need to eliminate those. No more um, big plays on special teams. The Craig Ackerman special. He's the special teams coach. No one ever blames him. All they ever do is have a blunder a game, and I am expecting it. And I think you're on my side. Last week you were not my side. You said you wanted big plays out of the special teams, and I said they're they're never going to get the. They're not. I just want them to screw up. And what did they do? Allow a punt return to get down around midfield, give the Broncos their first points Cost of the game. Them six points. Yep. Change the entire complexion of the football game. And just like that, and I think you've come over to my side. I think you're done worrying about the special teams doing something good. You just want to make sure they don't do anything bad. 
and I welcome you over to this side of the the biscuit and the gravy theory. Uh, I'm not saying I'm on that side. Oh, you are on the biscuit side. No, I'm they not need something on that more side. out of the return game. I mean, they're getting nothing on punt returns well, right now. Got, what, I mean, he he stands back there, fair catches anything. He's done. You know, I mean, he's. We're, we're, we've gotten to the point where we're thrilled if we can catch it. I think they've got to put Deion Lewis out there, see if he has any value to the team to go return punts and kicks. That takes us to the final thing the GM does not want to see. Number three. And the final thing is we have to eliminate these killer penalties we're getting. You know, I mean, there are too many instances in the last couple of weeks where you know we have a big play called back or we just don't even have a big play. We just maybe throw an incomplete pass, but we get a holding penalty, and now it's second and or first and twenty. I mean, we we cannot again. Guys have got to realize who they are, who we are, and we are not one of those teams that easily overcomes penalties. It's it's a killer to us, and so you guys have to. I mean, everybody has to understand those those penalties, and it seems that. Everybody's kind of taking a turn. You know, everybody's taking a little one here, a little one there. So, um, you know, eliminate those. I mean, it, literally everyone's taking them. For example, Ryan Tannehill passed short left to A.J. Brown, pushed out of bounds at the Denver 24 for 42 yards. This is, I believe, in the third quarter. In the third quarter, down 13 nothing. you're at the Denver 24. I mean, you're in prime scoring range to get yourself right back in the game. Penalty on A.J. Brown, offensive pass interference. Punt. Next series, here come the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, complete to Corey Davis, gain of 13 yards. Tannehill sack 10 yards. Tannehill penalty, delay a game. So now everything you've done to get to the Denver 38, you're now standing. Uh, you now in the drive. You're now at the Denver 48, from the 38 to the 48, and then a delay a game penalty. Oh, just terrible, terrible, terrible. And that's what the Titans did for pretty much most of the football game is they would get a big play and then they would get a penalty. For example, the Titans got to the Denver 5 on a throw uh, on a Ryan Tannehill scramble. Next pass is incomplete, but it didn't matter. Why? Holding on Ben Jones. There's another penalty. So the Titans certainly have... uh, I'll say buttered their bread doing that, but that is unfortunately how they've gotten themselves. Killer You're at the penalties. Denver twenty four and the Denver five and the killer De- You know you can't get those kind and of penalties, we, and we can't make we can't recover from them. You know we're not that good. So Mike Vrabel has one big thing he really expects out of the Titans on Sunday, and Mike Vrabel says they got to get back to doing it. And I have no idea how they're going to do it unless Tannehill does it. We'll get to that next. Chair to the GM, live from the wholesaling studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. On a Fireball Hot Take Friday, it's ESPN 1025, the game. We've got to get started. We've got to run it from two-back offense. We've got to run it from one-back gun, uh, 11 personnel. You know, there, There's different ways to run the football, and, I, and nobody wants to hear, and, and neither do I, that, that we were close on some plays that, you know, the other day. We've we, we got to make sure that we're consistently running the football with the backs that we have, uh, open up some things offensively, the play passes off of it, you know, whatever else uh, we're trying to design. But but I think that we got to get back to running the football. Mike Vrabel says we got to get back to running the football. Got to run it out of the shotgun. Got to run it out of 11 personnel. Run it when it's night. Run it when it's day. Run it on turf. Run it on the grass. Run it east. Run it west. Run it near. Run it far. Got to run the football. I agree. 
The problem is, is I don't know how they're going to be able to run the ball when they haven't consistently, effectively been able to run the ball all year. So Vrabel can say we need to run the ball. I agree. But Floyd, how? And how can Ryan Tannehill help the Titans' running game get back on track? Help me with how they're going to figure out how to run the ball because yeah, I don't that's know a the good, I mean, we've, we've suffered more tackles for loss than any team in the NFL. And that's largely due to the running game. I mean, it's first and 10, second and 11, second and 12, second and whatever. I mean, there's just that happens way, way, way too often. And until we develop a knack for, for being sure that we're at least getting positive yards, at least getting positive yards one way or another, we either have to run differently, we have to change plays, we have to change formations, we have to change blockers, we have to whatever the case may be. I mean, I don't know. But but right now, we are not getting it done. I keep thinking with with Lewan and Saffold side by side that that left side would be prime run real estate. And I'm sure everybody else thinks that too. But, uh, I mean, the bottom line is that we've got to get those two guys to – to play better and whip, you know, whoever they're playing against. I don't care who they are. I think you almost have to commit to it no matter what. And this is going to sound crazy, and it may blow up in your face, and you may lose 100 to nothing doing this, but I think the Titans have got to just say, hey, we're going to run it, and this we're not going to make any secrets about it. We're going to run the ball. And in comes Dennis Kelly, and 71's eligible. Because that to me, that's one of the hard things that I, I feel like they don't have any extra players that are good at blocking. No offense, the line is terrible at blocking. I mean, the other day against Denver, Nate Davis got pushed back, and the guy just literally just pushed him and then tackled Henry. I mean, there was nothing Derek could do on that kind of play. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like uh, with me, it's just like they, they've got to commit to it, say we're either going to win by running the football or we're going to lose by running the football, but we can't do both. We, we can't do this thing where, oh, well, now we can't run the football, so let's just either run it or don't run it. But, I mean, either commit to it or don't commit to it. Because it's like, it's the thing that drives me crazy about this Titans team specifically, and maybe this is the case with all losing teams, to be honest. But you have the coach saying, we got to run the ball. we got to run it out of every personnel. we got to find a way. we got to do it. we got to do it. we got to do it. Oh. I, I agree, but I, but what's the answer for you to be able to do it? And it's like, does he have the answer of how they're actually going to be able to run the ball? So far, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, and, you know, the team, when they lose, we got to play better, got to play better. I you Okay. I mean, I know you got to play better. I don't disagree with the fact that you got to play better, but I want to see you play better. And honestly, maybe that probably is the case with every losing team, is after every game they say they got to play better. But... That's the thing that's killing me with the Titans right now is every game it's, hey, we got to run the football. We got to get back to doing what we do. We got to get back to all that. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, you know, you can keep saying it, but but what's the answer for how you're going to do it? And maybe Tannehill hitting some of these short throws, that will help the running game. Just being able to complete some passes would help, yeah. I would agree. The other, I mean, that at least makes your your play pass effective. The other thing that I that 
I think is a big problem with the Titans. And you brought this up. This was you. I mean, this was kind of your reason. I don't want to say for not wanting to sign De- uh, Deion Lewis, but you did not want it to get to the point where Derek's in the game and you're saying, "Hey, defense, we're running." And then Dion goes in the game and you're saying, "Hey, defense, we're passing." And that is what it's become. That when Derek's in, it's a run play. When Dion's in, it's a pass play. And it's too predictable with those two guys. And and I think the the thing that even exacerbates the problem is that is that you know, you see Derek try to catch that ball, none of it was his fault. I'm not saying that, but him trying to catch that swing last week and they you know, you look at that and you go, What what was that? You know, I mean it looks so god awful. And so they're saying, hey, don't worry about covering him now. Yeah, it looked like a little leaguer trying to catch a pop-up. Jeez, it was awful. And then you look at Dion trying to run, and it's like Dion's using every energy that he's got, every bone in his body, to not lose three yards. (laughs) Like, it's so frustrating. Those two running backs are so frustrating in that regard. I mean, I've been Derek's biggest supporter, and every coach he's ever had says, Man, he has made huge strides in pass in the passing game and catching the ball and blitz pickup and and then Taylor pushes a guy over to Derek and Derek just lets the guy go right to the quarterback. Like I, I can't trust Derek Henry in the passing game and I can't trust Dion Lewis. I I don't uh, Dion's terrible. I mean, I just say put Dion back there to return punts and if he can't do that then cut him because he's terrible. Uh, but it's it is frustrating with those two guys. And to be honest with you, Dion, like I think Dion, you know, Belichick usually has a good idea of when to let guys go. Some guys he just can't pay because he knows that Logan Ryan ten million dollars a year. He can't pay Logan Ryan ten million dollars a year, even though he knows what he's going to get out of Logan Ryan. And Logan's a good player, and Logan's a good leader, and Logan's going to do what he's supposed to do. But I just can't give Logan ten million dollars a year. Then there are some guys where it's like, I've gotten the best tread out of the tire. Let him go. I think that's the case with Dion. I mean, I think Dion is done. Yeah, I don't know. I don't they should call know. him D-off, not I, Dion. He's playing. He's. I'm, I'm surprised how much he's playing. He sucks. I mean, he's, he's playing 40% of the time. He's terrible. So that's the other problem. This. So maybe Tannehill helps it out. I don't know. But it's just for Vrabel to say, we got to run the ball. No, duh. Like, I I hear you, Coach, but what's the answer to that? I got to believe Lawan and Saffold are eventually – I mean, if you put Kelly on that side, now you really want to tell the defense you're running the ball, put Kelly in the game with Derrick Henry, and then I think the defense knows exactly what's coming. But if you've got Kelly, Lawan, and Saffold all together on that left side, surely they should be able to run the football to the left. I don't know. You would think. I mean, I don't I don't have any qualms about giving it a, a whirl. I mean, I got to believe they're going to be able to, especially, I mean, one of the things, San, San Diego's not big. You know, San Diego's not, they're not the big thumpers inside that we've seen with some of these teams. They're smaller up front than a lot of teams. And, and consequently, you know, some of the, some of the issues they're having versus a run is because of their size and bulk and things like that. So, I mean, that's that would even be more of an incentive or more of a reason to run it that way. Do you have a good feeling at all about the Titans being able to run the ball on Sunday? 
Uh, yeah. I don't. I think I do. I don't. Other than I the coaches saying we need to run bit. it. Unless Tannehill helps them. You know, Tannehill's the wild card in all of this. Can Tannehill help them run the football? And again, I don't know the answer. But it just sounds just so frustrating when Vrabel says something along the lines of, you know, we got to be better. We got to run it. We got to do it. We haven't. You haven't run the ball all year. And honestly, until the last four games last year, you didn't run the ball. So what makes me think that you're going to be able to run the ball now this year? And please stop giving handoffs to Dalen Dawkins. How did that happen, by the way, on Sunday? I wanted to see what he could do, obviously. That's why he got the ball on Sunday? I mean, why else would you do it? I have no idea. I don't know why you would do it in the first place. Because you want to see what he could do. I mean, if there's anything that bothers me about Arthur Smith, it's that. I mean, again, I don't know if Arthur's a good coach or not. I'm not ready to sit there and just lump all the blame onto his plate. But a lot of people are doing that. And, you know, it is what it is. Your thoughts. We'll get to the phones on the Titans running the ball and everything else. 615-737-1025. Plus, Phillip Rivers. We've not talked about Phillip Rivers. Is... He really the same Philip Rivers that he was before? We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM right here on Fireball Hot Take Friday, 615-737-1025. It's ESPN, 1025 The Game. Stand up about Rivers, and you faced him, I know, just a year ago. What is he still able to do at this point of his career? Pretty much anything. I think that um, tremendous competitor. Still obviously loves football um, very much. He's got great timing, accuracy, uh, toughness. You know, he stands back there. But the anticipation is something that really I don't think we've seen up until this point anybody like that. You know, there's times that the receivers aren't into the picture in the end zone, and you know, he's an re- end zone copy or end zone view, and he's releasing it. And then you know, a couple frames later, there's a guy screaming in there to catch the football. So uh, I think he really has an understanding of where defensive players are going to be as it relates to the routes that he's trying to throw. Philip Rivers, we have not talked about Pop Pop Philip Rivers at all this week, probably because we've been more worried about the Titans' own quarterbacks. But on the season, I'm a little surprised at Philip Rivers. Last year, Philip Rivers lit the Titans up, and I was at that game in London, just breakdown after breakdown. Honestly, the Charger loss might have been the single most uh, frustrating loss of the entire season last year because of how the Titans just pissed that game away. So you go back to that game, and early in the game, the Titans are up 3 nothing, and the nice drive, takes a bunch of time off the clock, one play, 75 yards, Rivers to Tyrell Williams for a 75-yard touchdown. Then later to start the second half, Rivers to uh, Mike Williams for 55 yards. Now Kendrick Lewis, who's not on the Titans, it was his fault on that one, and I think it was Logan Ryan's fault, on the Tyrell Williams 75-yard bomb. But I do remember, and I was sitting about 20 rows behind the Chargers bench at Wembley Stadium when Rivers hit that touchdown to Williams. And Rivers turned right around, and I don't know if it was the head coach, the quarterback coach, or the uh, the backup quarterback, because I think Wisenhunt's up in the booth. But Rivers turned right around and pointed his finger right at whomever he was pointed at, just like I knew I was going to get him on that. And he did for a 75-yard touchdown. You go to this year, though, and I told you when I watched the tape of them playing the Colts before the Colts game early in the season, I said, Floyd, he looks like he's laboring throwing the football. He looks like he's, ugh, every time he throws the ball. And his stats this year have not been overly impressive. 
He's got, you know, 66% uh, percent completion percentage, which is okay. Nine touchdowns, six picks. His rating is 91.1. Mariota's 91.7. I mean, he really has not been impressive this year. Is it still accurate to say Phillip Rivers is a Pro Bowl caliber player, that Phillip Rivers is still a franchise guy, and that Phillip Rivers is somebody we should really be all that worried about going into this game this week against the Chargers? Yes. I remember who we played last week. Blacko. <laughs> and the week before that, and the week before that. Hey, I mean, anybody that, But your that, defense locked all those guys down. Anybody, you just put 20 points. And I'm not even worried about our defense, to be honest. I just know that if... If we allow them to slip up like we did in there, and give up those long plays for seven points, I mean we'll we have absolutely no chance of catching up. And so the you know the key is that we cannot give up those big plays. Um, but he is not. I mean this this San Diego team is not the same team that he's used to. You know, their starting left tackle, their all pro left tackle is, has just started practicing this week. He's been out for. Two months, you know, the whole whole camp and everything. Um, so I I don't anticipate him doing a great deal, but he might sneak in there and do some stuff. But still, he's not the same as he was. But they they are they're pretty well beat up in the offensive line. You know, Gordon, the guy that was you know their Gordon star screwed running back, everybody. He screwed has, himself. He screwed the team. Has been out and missed you know, four or five games or whatever it was, and he's just now trying to get back into shape. So, you know, that's been a factor because he's been a receiver. Um, the little guy that they have now playing running back now is has run the ball and really run the ball tough and, you know, fairly effective, but he's he's really a, a talented receiver. That's kind of where he's made his niche. And, uh, and consequently, you know, they haven't had that real star-studded running back they've had in the past. Um, you know, tight ends have been hurt constantly, and so they they don't. He doesn't have that reliable tight end that he's always had. Um, and they put you know probably their fastest receiver Benjamin went on IR this week, so you know they 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 haven't been the the same kind of team that we're used to seeing. Well, it's funny because when I got when I went to the Charger game in London last year, they the, that game was treated like a Chargers home game, which was their home game, but. They they introduced the Chargers in the starting lineups, and it was literally like a Charger home game in London. I was thinking it was going to be treated like a neutral site game. But I remember when they were like announcing the starting lineups, and they were like, wide receiver, Tyrell Williams. And I was like, who the hell's that? And then Tyrell Williams goes for a 75-yard touchdown. Oh, he's a good player. And now I'm watching Williams with the Raiders, and I said to you during the break, maybe an hour ago when they were talking about Williams on NFL Network, I do think the Raiders really – like Keenan Allen, now he's getting his catches. But Keenan Allen misses Tyrell Williams. Oh, absolutely. And now that Benjamin's out, you know, I, do you think about those four receivers that they had last year? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, and Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin. I mean, those are four legit dudes. Yes, they are. And so now you're down to Mike Williams, who I think's hurt again. And Allen, who is always going to be a good player and is always going to get his, but Allen doesn't kill you like the other guys do if the other guys aren't there to hurt you too. Like last year, Allen didn't kill you. It was the 55 yards to Mike Williams and the 75 yards to Tyrell Williams that cost you. Yeah, Allen is, is, he has speed. I mean, he can get deep. 
but he is a great route runner and can catch anything. And that's where he's made his fame. And and it's like you were talking about earlier. You wanted uh, Tannehill to pick out a guy and make him the guy. Well, for for Rivers, Allen is the guy. I mean, if there's a guy that he's going to end up trying to get the ball to, it's going to be him. Hunter, the young tight end, is is a real threat. And and it's not not that you hear a great deal about him, but he can run better than you think he can. He can get open and he catches the heck out of the ball. And tight ends have been a thorn on our side for a long time. 12 catches for Hunter Henry. Two of them are touchdowns. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler leads their team in receptions with 42. He's the the little running back and he's the guy that has, you know, maybe not gotten all the rushing yards that you would anticipate a running back would get. But man, oh man, has he been effective, you know, as a swing and a flat and a screen and an option route and doing all those things. He's not a big guy. Uh, he's he's one of those shorter, stockier kind of guys, but man, he's quick as a hiccup. Cedric is up next on a Fireball Hot Take Friday on Mike Vrabel. What's up, Cedric? Man, we better hope that this game is not close because Coach Meathead has proven that he makes the wrong decision every time he has to make a critical decision. For example, we have a head coach that goes out there and wants to hit his players without his pads on. First dumb thing he's done. Then he hires <laughs> Arthur Smith with with no... I mean, why should he have hired that guy when you've got a guy at quarterback that you're trying to make your franchise quarterback? And then let's not go through all the fourth quarter mistakes that he's done. Mike Vrabel is one of those guys that will tell you two plus two equals five. Now, that's what, I mean, that's what I got to say about that guy. Now, uh, Jerry, I, I got this from Nick on his Twitter. Tim Tebow, one playoff victory. Marcus, one playoff victory. I mean, come on, dog. <laughs> what you got to say about that, Jay? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Marcus Mariota has been a Pro Bowler. <laughs> the Pro Bowl means nothing, man. Vince Young was a Pro Bowler. Vince Young was mean, a two-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, yeah. Was, was Marcus ever an all-pro? I mean, that's what matters. Not a Pro Bowler. A Pro Bowler doesn't mean anything. I don't think the Titans have ever had an all-pro quarterback. Was Mac not an all-pro quarterback? No, I, well, think yeah, Peyton, well, I think Peyton Manning won the All-Pro honors that year. Warren Moon. Okay. Now, Warren yeah, Moon, Moon, yeah, but, but I'm talking Titans. Oh, just Titans. Yeah, Warren doesn't even, you know, relate to this team. You know, Warren well, doesn't Jared, see himself as a Titan. Yeah, don't start over Coach Meathead now. I mean, you, you know. You know so this, this is what I love about it, and I'm not moving. I mean, Vrabel, you know, he gets it from me all the time. Thank you for the call, Cedric. As Vrabel said to me this week, maybe he's just not a very good coach. But I got two things to say this. Number one. Cedric has moved his target. Have you noticed that? Oh, he's done with Marcus. Now that Mariota's gone, now he's moving himself right over to, to Vrabel, which is how where a lot of fans are going to go. Number two, if Vrabel does something stupid and it costs him this game, like I had to sit pining over that stupid two-point conversion that he, went, he did last year on an eight-hour flight, I couldn't even fly the direct flight back to Nashville. I had to fly to Chicago, and I had to fly from Chicago here. So I got here at like 1.30 in the afternoon, so I'd be on the air at 2 o'clock to talk about how stupid Vrabel was for going for two. If I got to do that again on Monday, I will be a lot more relaxed because the distance from the stadium to my house is about 15 minutes as opposed to over the pond. But I will go bananas if Vrabel cost them this game. 
I, I can't. I, oh, my God. That two-point conversion is so stupid. Oh, goodness. Six-pack picks. And i got to be honest with you. I don't even know if I'm going to pick the Titans to win this game. I have no idea. Ian asked me at the start of the show today if I was going to pick the Titans. I don't know. We'll pick the Titans. We'll pick the other big game. Six-pack picks is next. Fireball Hot Day Friday. Jerry and the GM. ESPN 1025. The game. Chase McCabe is in the house. TD Teron Davenport is in the house. They're in the house. Chase and TD coming up talking Titans, Chargers, quarterback change, everything coming up at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 1025, the game. Floyd, we got to have a talk. Yes. It is time for you to get a Titans prediction right this year. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Well, on the season, on Sunday. What score is this? On the pregame show. Rough week for both of you guys. Floyd is 0-6 picking Titans games this year, and he thought they would go back to Marcus, so I'm going to count that as 0-1. Floyd has gotten everything wrong about the Titans, except that the offensive line would be a disaster, which he said the first day back from his vacation at Turks was all worried about the offensive line. And he did hit on that one. But Floyd this season, 0-6 picking Titan games. Apparently last week was a bad week for us, Ian. Okay, now let's yes. talk about this. Who's yeah. ahead in this? Floyd, you have a one-game lead now. Ah, okay. Floyd, you were 2-4 and four last week. You got LSU and the Saints. Jared, 1-5, and five, just got the Saints. 1-5. and five. 18 and 26 for Floyd on the season, and Jared is 17 and 27. And I have written down here Titans kick stuffings out of Denver 24 13. <laughs> so I don't think that went very well. Yeah, that one. Is... <laughs> we just forget about that one. We're not, are we going to talk about that one? Are we going to yell or scream or get excited oh, about bad. that one? That's it? Jeez. I mean, you know, it was, it was bad. What but, do we got, Ian? All right, it's a weak college schedule, especially oh, it's a terrible one. We will start uh, Mississippi State. Ugh. Oh, I got the wrong one. Sorry. Florida at South Carolina. 11 a.m. ESPN. Florida is minus five and a half. Who goes first, Floyd? Uh, I'll go first. I'll take Florida. Um and, and even though South Carolina had a great win last week, uh, Florida's got to try to bounce back from the LSU thing. So I think it's about time for them to find a way to win one. I'm going to take Florida, too, for a handful of reasons. Number one, you know Florida's antenna was up all week after, um, you know, Florida's antenna was up all week after watching Georgia lose to South Carolina last week. So if there was any shot of South Carolina uh, of Florida overlooking South Carolina, Georgia washed that away. Also, Florida knows they got to win, bounce back after the LSU game. And, I mean, I watched the Georgia-South Carolina game. South Carolina, I mean, they, they just gave Georgia the game six or seven times, and Georgia wouldn't take it from them. So I think Florida wins this game, and I think they probably win it big. But at least it'll be an entertaining game to think, hey, can South Carolina do this again as they take on Florida? But, no, I'm riding with the Gators. Okay, this should be this is a good spread. Both teams are ranked. Oregon going to Washington, two thirty ABC, and Oregon is minus two and a half. So games like this get me because I don't really know anything about minus either team. Two and a half. I don't know anything about either team except. Sorry, the schedule's weak. Except no, 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 I know. Except Justin Herbert's the quarterback at Oregon, and Washington under Chris Peters, Chris Peterson has been pretty good. They got to the playoff that one year and then they lost. 
Uh, I'm going to take, where's the game being played? At Washington. That's a hard place to play. I'm going to take Oregon, though. I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. But it's going to be a good game, uh, and I'm still probably not going to watch it because it's the Pac-12. I I think I'll take Washington. Simply because it's at Washington, and I think he's uh, Washington is a tough place to play, and Oregon has been kind of up and down anyway. So, I'm going with Washington. See what happens. Okay, to the Big Ten, six thirty ABC, the main primetime game, Michigan at Penn State, and Penn State is minus nine. Floyd, ooh, minus nine. I'm going to go with Penn State, um, simply because I have seen. Michigan play too much, and Michigan is just really, really struggling. And they may, you know, crank it up for this, but if they don't, they've still got to play Penn State, they've still got to play uh, Ohio State, and they've still got to play somebody else that's uh, uh, Notre Dame. So they've got a bunch of ranked games, and if they don't get this, get this one, they're going to be in real, real trouble. I'm going Penn State. And the, I think the biggest thing here is Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator who's calling the plays for Michigan, has just been a train wreck this season. And where does he come from? He's a James Franklin disciple. He was with James here at Vanderbilt, went to James with Penn State, then went to Alabama for a year and is now calling the shots at Michigan. He's been terrible, and Michigan's been terrible. And I just think, I just think James Franklin, you know, he has done miracle work here, is doing miracle work at Penn State to get them back when people thought Penn State would never get back. Harbaugh, I, I don't know what to tell you. He is what he is at this point. I'll go Penn State. Moving on to the NFL. Should be a good game here in the division. Texans going to Indianapolis, taking on the Colts. Noon, CBS, and the Colts are, it's a close one, minus one. That's practically a pick right there. It's mm-hmm. at the Colts? Correct. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think the Texans are kind of on a roll. I do. But the Colts are coming off of their bye week. Colts. Only because they're at home and coming off of their bye week. But I will say this. The Texans are on a roll right now. And that worries me as much as anything, and the Titans are concerned. But I'm going to go Tex, or I'm going to go Colts, only because they they won the game against Kansas City. They're running the ball well, uh, and they are coming off of their bye week, the extra week to prepare. I'm going to go the Colts too, um, primarily because it's it's at Indy, which is big. But um, I don't. I mean, the things that that Houston did to win last week, some of those plays they'll never get again. You know, that's never going to happen again. And I just think right now that that Indy is probably playing with more, you know, cohesiveness on both sides of the ball, both offense and defense. So I'm going to go with Colts, too. Fun Sunday night game, NFC East, Battle, NBC. Also right here, ESPN 1025, the game you can hear the Cowboys call. Eagles at the Cowboys in Jerry World. And let's see, Dallas is minus two and a half. Minus two and a half. Uh, You know, I'm going to have to go with Dallas. And Dallas has struggled mightily. But I think that's part of the reason that, that they'll pull this thing out. 
The other thing is, it's in Dallas. They national TV for them. This is great. I just don't see Philadelphia. Philadelphia can't convince me they're a big time team. Not that Dallas has. That's because you don't like. Wentz. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't like Wentz. But Dallas played so poorly last year, last week, and I think they got called out by a bunch of people. And I think, consequently, they'll bounce back. I'll take the Eagles, primarily because Floyd's taking Dallas. But I think something's wrong with Dallas. And I don't know if it's the offensive line. I don't know if it's Zeke's holdout, if it's Kellen Moore's play calling. Something is wrong in Dallas. And Philly is kind of an under-the-radar 3-3, three and three, but they've struggled. I'll take the Eagles in this one. It'll be a close game, but I'll go Philadelphia. All right, and that brings us really to the only game that matters. Could be the season on the line for the Titans here. 3.05, CBS, and the Titans are our favored, minus two and a half. So I sat up there and I watched Ryan Tannehill and, and when he did his press conference, and he looks confident. He looks poised. He looks everything like Marcus does it on the sidelines right now, which gives me hope that he's going to be able to lift up the entire offense. That said, I'm taking the Chargers. The Titans never beat the Chargers. The Titans stink right now. Season on the line. And I don't believe in Vrabel right now. And I don't believe in the Titans. Give me the Chargers. I will go Chargers 19, Titans 13. Who? I'm going to take San Diego 2. Um, primarily for the first reason he said, which is... In the last ten games, I think San Diego's nine and one against us. That includes I mean, my first we ever game. We just have a really, really tough time beating San Diego for whatever reason, and Philip Rivers has been kind of the guy there the whole time. So, um, you know, I'm going to have to go with with San Diego too. You know, it's funny. My first ever Titan game was a Chargers Oilers game at Vanderbilt Stadium. Uh, God, what, Ryan Leaf was the quarterback. Natron Means was the running back. And I told my dad after that game, I'm never coming back. Team sucks. Stadium sucks. Call me when they open the new stadium. I'm not coming to watch this garbage anymore. I'm out. They lost, I think, 13-7 was the final score of that game. And uh, they don't ever beat the Chargers, and I don't trust the coach right now. That's it for us. We're back for the pregame show. 12-30 special time live from the George Jones Chase and TD are next.